Hi, I'm Paul. And I'm Beck. And this is DVD Clutter. Alright, so here we are. The podcast all about DVDs and decluttering. I'm Paul. I'm back, as previously mentioned. We've already done that bit. We've already done that bit. Paul has just come back from Canada and is a little jet lagged. Just a little bit. Yeah, so if he repeats yeah. himself or starts talking about a different DVD, we'll try and get him back on track. Mm. Bear with us. It's one AM in fine. Vancouver right now. Okay. Is that where you've been or is that just an arbitrary? <laughs> just, just, just random facts. <laughs> Facts that are less random and about this show, uh, it's a show where we watch a DVD from our collection. Yes, mostly from yours, seeing as yep. you have way more DVDs than I have. That's it. I'm just here for the, lol, the lols. Yeah, exactly. And to offer an interesting perspective on the films we talk about. That's right. Um, but we're going through them one by one. We're deciding whether or not they are worth keeping because, you know, we can't all live in a uni share house forever with dvds stacked up against the wall yeah sometimes you have to be an adult and move into a smaller place and you know minimalism is a thing now i know right and you've got to put other shit in your cupboards too. yeah like pillowcases oh yeah because you like can't just spare sets of dunas exactly for the spare room like that's, mm. that takes up space yeah suitcases suitcases <laughs> anyway point being you had to get rid of some DVDs. That's it. I also should get rid of some DVDs. Yeah, they're a dead medium. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Streaming services are the go. Mm-hmm. Or you can download. I whatever. fought it for a long time. But now you're giving up. Yes. So we're going to watch all the DVDs. We're going to decide, is it worth keeping? If it's yep. not, we get rid of it one of two ways. Could go to the op shop. If it's worth someone yeah. else seeing, you know. That's it. It's an all right DVD. It's not worth destroying. So the second option is to take it to the Officeworks uh, Recycling Centre for DVDs. And get it destroyed. <laughs> this is the part where usually Paul comes up with some terrible pun that relates to the movie, but Paul's brain is still in Vancouver. Yes, where it's 1am. Yes, it's very sleepy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we're going to talk about one of your films today. Yes, yes, one of my films. One of your favourite, all-time favourite films. <laughs> Don't mock that idea. Oh, it could is it? be. No, it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, no, we're looking at a film, a Jane Campion film called yep. Holy Smoke. Yeah. An Australian film. Yes. With an international cast, I should say. Yeah. And international money. Oh, yeah. The Weinsteins, more specifically. Yes. I was wondering when we get on to talking about the touch of Harvey. Yeah. Because that's going to that's gonna come up later. Because I've got a heap of Tarantino and a heap of Kevin Smith. Oh, so we're going to keep getting... But there. I mean, how... Yeah, it's unavoidable. Yeah. That's it. It's the we... film world. They were... He was a big part of that, so... Yeah. He's a disgusting man. We all know it. We're probably not going to dwell on it every single podcast no. that you're involved with, but... No. Ew. If there's something that comes up specifically, we might talk about it, but we all know. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. So, Holy Smoke, Jane Campion. Mm-hmm. Jane Campion, we've talked a little bit about before. Yes. She is a New Zealand-born... Australian director. <laughs> I just sure, want to sure. claim her a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> she kind of rose to prominence with the piano. Yeah, that was her big one. Yeah, um, but has since done well done a whole range of films. She did that TV series Top, Top of the, the Lake. Lake. Yeah, in we'll, New we'll talk about that at some stage too later in the podcast. Yeah, why do you have it? No, I just watched it all on a plane. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, you mean later this it. podcast? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, I get you. 
Yeah, um, almost all of it. One episode, not on the... Well, I missed it. I changed my flight and... You missed your flight? No. <laughs> oh, God. This is I changed nowhere. planes. You know when you do a long haul and you stop oh, somewhere and you get yes, on a new plane? Yes. New plane didn't have Top of the Lake and oh, I had one episode left. Oh, bugger. I know. And it's not on any of the streamers here. No, I know. No. You have to pay for it. I mean, we already pay for the streaming services, obviously. Mm. But you have to pay for another streaming service to get it. Yeah, so I'm checking out the local libraries to see if I've got it. So Very I'm going to watch that last Love it. episode. Anyway, we're not anyway, doing Top of the Lake. Jane Campion. Holy smoke. I guess... It was her follow-up after the piano, I think. I think it was. Yeah. Which is an interesting follow-up. I have not seen the piano. Nor have I. Great. I'm glad we can so both... we can talk about this in context yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, Jane Campion's awesome. Oh, no. She... she did the portrait of the lady between the two. Oh, I yeah. I apologise. Okay. So, back to the actual film that we're talking about, I guess. We're yes. going off on a couple of tangents here. Do you want to tell us how Holy Smoke! Exclamation mark came into your life? Well, oh yeah, I'll talk about, first of all, how the film came into my life. Then I'll get into the DVD. Uh, the film came into my life in the setting where Beck and I first... Kind, well, we didn't meet, but we're first in the same room together, to our knowledge. Oh! Yeah. That's probably where I watched it too. <laughs> Because I was thinking about how... Because I knew I had seen this film before. Mm. And I was thinking about where I would have seen it. Because it's not a film that I would have sought out. No. And I knew I'd seen it at uni. And I assumed it was at Swinburne. But you're right. I think it was at Monash. Where yes. we were both studying... Gender, gender studies. Gender studies. In, um, film. in film. Yeah. With a awesome lecturer who we both love and adore. And shall remain nameless. <laughs> Good call. But yes, uh, for a brief moment that we didn't sort of realise till. A lot later, Beck and I did cross over at university. Yes. In a gender studies film class. Um, what well, it's not, I mean, it's not totally unlikely given that Monash had gone to that point of going from small tutor groups to a massive 300 seat lecture theatre for every single one of our classes instead of breaking us up yeah. into groups later. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I guess it's not that, well, it's still a bit unlikely. I mean, it is still Two unlikely. people that were in the same theatre watching Holy Smoke <laughs> ended up working in a small <laughs> rural, rural town, country town as teachers. But, you know, you basically, know when you think them. about it, it happens all the time. But anyway, yeah. that's where the film first came uh, into, I guess, my knowledge. I wouldn't have even known it existed no, um, before, that. before then. And look, I feel like I didn't watch the full film during that class. I think I might have walked out at one stage and came back in. But I like too cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, you had other stuff on. <laughs> I got no idea, but I remember I sort of liked the vibe it was going for, and sort of wanted to seek it out and watch it at some stage yeah. in the back of my mind. Then, lo and behold, going past a blockbuster that's closing down. I saw that sticker. Yep, and it's on the shelf for two dollars. Great. So when was that? Like how long oh. after? No, it was the same same stage I got that last film, The Mule. Oh. Same, same. Oh, so fairly recently. Yeah. So you hadn't actually seen it again no. until you watched it. No. Just now. Yes. For this podcast. And that's it. Right. And I, I oh. picked up the DVD just because it was definitely, it was two bucks and I was like, oh cool, that's something I want to watch. So and you I'll, felt like you wanted to watch it properly. Like you kind of seen it bits and pieces yeah. in class. Yeah. And then you were like, I want to give this my full attention. That's just it. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to sit down and give it a watch. Yeah. Um, and I have now. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So that's, that's how it came into my life. Wonderful. Yeah. 
Um, is it time for you to... I might give a little rundown of the plot. Yeah, Because I don't think many people will have watched this film. No. It has two big stars in it. Yes. Kate Winslet, post-Titanic, so... This is when she really was a big star. Yeah. And I'm going to get his, the pronunciation wrong. Maybe. How did you tell? Thank you. <laughs> Who was also in the piano. Mm-hmm. But what is he known for? I don't really like, know. Like Taxi Driver. He's been around. Heaps of things. Yeah. Heaps and heaps of stuff. Yeah. A real... Both of them like stars, I would say. Oh, yeah. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. So, very well-known yep. actors. Oh, Pam Greer pops up, which I yeah. didn't realise until this time I watched it. And so did Timmy Rogers. Like, lead singer of UMI, Tim Rogers. Oh. He's one of the guys that take her away from the bar. Anyway, that shocked oh. me. Yeah. Wait, the, they'll, like, have her pants down later? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. How would you even recognise him? Timmy fucking Rogers. Wow. Because I like Tim Rogers. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'll give you a rundown of the plot. Mm-hmm. So, it's set in the 90s. Yeah. It was released in the 90s. Yeah. 1999, I think. Yeah. Kate Winslet plays a young woman by the name of Ruth who is on a trip to India. We, we open on her um, trip to India. Having a great time. Traveling with her friends. Um, and then they go, they think it would be interesting to go and see a guru speak because they're like, this is something that happens in India. Maybe it'll be really interesting. You know, it'll be a cultural experience. But what happens while she's there? The Baba... Mm-hmm. Makes eye contact with her and touches her on the forehead, and she opens sees her third the light. Eye. Yes, yeah. he opens her third eye, figuratively and literally. You mm. see it in yeah. the in the film in the shot, um, which is so, a shot I remembered from watching it the first time. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Ruth wants to stay over there, and her. We kind of cut to like I guess a couple of weeks later when her friend who she was traveling with goes back to Sydney and goes and visits Ruth's parents. And tells them that Ruth has been kind of, not abducted, but has joined this cult. cult. Yeah. Yeah. And explains that Ruth has no intention of coming back and that she was going to stay in India forever as part of this group of believers or worshippers of this particular guru who she calls Baba. Yeah. Which is a common, like I think Baba, there's there's lots of different Babas. Yeah. So then her mum and dad desperately want her back. So they concoct a plan. Well, the dad's kind of not really on board, but the mum's like, we have to get her back. We have to get her back. So they concoct a plan to get a special deprogrammer who is an expert in getting um, people out of cults. Yeah. And like, yeah, deprogramming their thought processes to realize that they should never have joined and they were coerced into joining, et cetera, et cetera, that they're being brainwashed by this cult. Mm. Um, essentially. So they're going to pay for him to come out from America. $10,000. $10,000, which in 1999, which in today's money mm. is... It's a lot of money. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're looking for an actual figure there. Yeah. But they don't know how they're going to get her back in Australia. So the, they decide to tell her that her father is dying. Yeah. So they, the mum goes over there. Miriam, I think is the mum's yeah. name. Yeah. Miriam goes over there and tells um, Ruth that... Her father's dying. Had a stroke. He's going to die. Yep. And Ruth really doesn't want to come back because she's about to be... Um, married. Married to the Bubba. Yeah. Um, symbolically married. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone is getting married to the Bubba. So basically, you know, initiated into the group. Yeah. Um, but then her mum gets really annoyed at her and really freaked out and then has an asthma attack because she's freaked out. Mm. And then Ruth ends up coming back with her because of this asthma attack, but yeah. also because her father her is dying. Her father's dying. dying. Not really. 
Yeah, spoiler alert, the father is not dying. And yeah. that was an evil trick uh, by the family to get her back in Australia. So once they got her back in Australia, they isolate her. This guy, PJ, comes out from America. But there's been a bit of a mix-up. He was promised a sidekick to work with him Mm -hmm. to help him because he has to always work with someone else because it's quite a delicate process and he's going to like really get into her psyche and stuff. And he was promised this other person to help go through this process with who was experienced. But that person has had some kind of family disaster and cannot be there. So PJ is really annoyed and he's like, well, this is going to, this is a nightmare. You know, I need to have two of us there for the safety of everybody. Blah, 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 blah. But decides to go through with it anyway. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's right then that he calls for his sidekick from America yeah. to come out. Yeah. So yeah. So they call for his um his girlfriend slash helper second in command. Yeah. yeah. To come out from America, who is played by Pam Greer. But she obviously it's going to take her a while to get out there. So in the meantime, PJ gets started with Ruth. So they isolate um her and he and her stay in this shack in the middle of nowhere. They go out to their cousin's house, to Ruth's auntie and uncle's house in outback, typically outback Australia. So red dirt, completely isolated, very beautiful. Mm. Cinematography, which I'm sure we will talk about, is really beautiful in this film. But the landscape is gorgeous. And they're stuck in this little shack and he is trying to gain her trust and trying to work her through this three-day process of deprogramming. That he's done before and had something like a... 99.7% 99.7% success rate. Yeah. And a small recidiv- recidivism. I can never say that word. You know that word? No. The word, the word that means they've gone back to it afterwards. Ah, yes. Recidivism. Recidiv- I've got no idea. It's like when someone's in jail, then they get released, and then they go back to jail. Okay. <laughs> Let it go, back. Let it go. Anyway. So, Paul, what happens during these three days? Well, during the three days, and this is where, so the film's sort of bubbling along and it sort of takes a big turn at this point, sort of after day one of the program. Yep. He is broken by Ruth. Essentially. It takes a little while. Yeah. But there's this power struggle going backwards and forwards between them. Yeah. And basically, yeah, she breaks the process. Yeah. And breaks him, yeah. breaks him completely down, and they yeah. both sort of end up going through the process Some kind that of... she's supposed to really yeah. go through. In that, they sleep together. Yeah. So one of the ways I guess she controls or has power over him is through her sexuality. Yes. And um, yeah, just gets like starkers in front of him and comes on to him and all this stuff. Yeah, but then also just humiliates and um, degrades, degrades him. him. Yes. That's what else. Yeah. 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 So it leads to this. Very weird relationship between the two of them. She finally wants to escape. She tries to escape. He hits her. Yep. He chases her because he's... He, at this point, has... He's infatuated Infatuated with her. her. And it kind of went from her being... You know, you you understand her as being lost, in quotation marks, and wanting to find something. That's why she was um, wanting to go to India. And that's why she was joining this cult yeah. in quotation marks it's never really explored if it actually is a cult is it, or not yeah. it's a it's a group it's an ashram it's a mm-hmm. religion version of some religion so once that's kind of out of her once that's disappeared from her mind or when she's forgotten how, what that feeling was like she kind of transfers that feeling onto him and is then infatuated with him but then that kind of turns around and she rejects him and he gets infatuated with her yeah 
backwards and forwards. That's it. So it's come to this bit. He chasing after her in the desert. Her family gets scared for her. Yes, because they find her actually. Once he punches her, he knocks her out. Then he bundles her into the boot of his, his car, car to try and kidnap her, I yep. guess. I don't know what his plan was. But the family stumbles across them and finds her in the boot and gets scared for her. So they, they capture him and her. They bring them back in this ute and he's in the back of the ute. And yep. she says, stop the car. Yep. And then gets out and sits with him and holds him sort yep. of like a child. Yeah. Cut to a year later. Yeah. She's back in India with her mum. Yeah, because turns out we have a nice little narration tying everything yeah. all together. So we have a year later and she says... She's writing him a letter and it says... Postcard. Postcard, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and it explains that her mum has come to live in India with her and volunteer at some animal, animal shelter. Animal shelter, yep. Because the dad did end up leaving the family for his secretary. Yeah. Which was hinted at later. Well, not hinted. It was revealed earlier in the film. And then we get a nice little postcard back or an email back yeah. from uh, PJ. And he's now married Carol, his yep. assistant. His assistant. And they've had twins. And they've got twin babies. And they both talk about, so Ruth and PJ talk about a love for each other. Yes. And an experience shared that will never go away. Yes. But something, they, they talk about something did happen in that shack. Yeah. Yes. And but, released them both of something. Yeah. Uh, and then that's it. And then that's the end. Yeah. People might be scratching their heads going, what was the real plot? And it, it's hard to express, really. Yeah. I think especially your explanation there, Beck, gave a pretty good summary of it. But plot isn't what this movie's going for. It's an exploration no. of, I guess, sexuality, gender. Power. Power and religion. Yeah, faith. Yeah. Or tr- yeah. knowing truth or having faith and, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, or self-discovery. Yeah, spiritualism. Yeah, and it, it truly is that sort of thrown in a blender and then picked apart. Yes, it's very, as Laura and I watched it together mm. and then she got a bit bored. So yeah. wandered off to get ready for work the next day. And when we were talking about it afterwards, she was she just said it was a bit slow and we, discuss, we decided that it was just a little bit too theme-heavy. For, yeah. and look, for us. I guess going into... It's not a um, rose-coloured glasses review for me because, you know, this I never had any really strong attachment no. to this film. I was more interested by it. Looking at it now, yeah, I found that, that first third of the film that basically leads up to PJ's arrival and mm. the start of the therapy, mm. it, it like it's an expertly crafted film with sort of the themes placed in there, ready. The cards are stacked yes. and such. And, but then it really hits you um, from that point in a confusing, frustrating, <laughs> um, not a terrible way, though. It doesn't turn it into a bad film, I think, in my head. It, it's just, it very much goes from, I guess, a, a cinematic experience where you're there to watch a story to a, let's talk about these issues. Yeah. Here they are. Yeah. Right. It's the end. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah. it's meant to, I think, start conversations and talk to you rather than be a story. Yeah. Um, and that kind of... Yeah. It, the gear change in it really threw me off. Yeah. And maybe not like it, I'll, yeah. I'll be honest. But yeah. I still kind of... I like what it was going, going for. for. Yeah. I feel the yeah. same. I, I'm fascinated by cults and fascinated by the idea of deprogramming mm. in qu- rotation marks, which we can talk about a bit later. But yeah, it never really hit the mark for me either. Like it was like... It could have been... I don't know. It was just a bit jumpy or like yeah. the, the power balance between her and him went backwards and forwards too fast maybe or i don't know there was something off about 
the period when they were in the shack in the woods or in the woods shack in the desert um that didn't ring true to me like it was too quick that's it and i felt like there was a tone and a pace established in that first third and you just sort of settled into it and then it it didn't do like a jarring change on purpose to sort of shake you up it just sort of didn't feel like it a smooth transition yeah 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 and it it felt yeah it wasn't handled i think as well no it would have been no which is a shame because you have some great actors you have Mm. an interesting story just not i don't know it just didn't work do you remember what they talked about why we talked about it in gender and sexuality on screen or whatever that class was Uh, well i have no memory of it Oh, we definitely talked... I remember a couple of things. We talked about betrayal of homosexuality. Oh, yes. Um, which, yeah, so, we'll talk about that in a sec. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. Um, then we also talked about female gaze. So this was sex right. shot by a woman. Yeah. Um, which is something yep. that's not, not done a lot. Not seen, yeah. Uh, and sex shot by a woman is sort of a big part of Jane Campion. We'll talk about her career a bit later too. But it also talked about female power on screen. Yeah. And it talked about, I guess, I remember we talked about those um, sort of stereotypical evil bitchy woman. Yeah. You know, that's that's sort of the power. Yeah. Or sort of sexy power. But you've got to be bad with that sexiness as yeah, a, as yeah, a yeah. woman. Any sort of power that's sort of done by to that. To do with the body. Yeah, yeah. Is always, well, she's evil. Yeah. She's using know? it to manipulate. That's it. Yeah. And, yeah, she uses her sexuality as power in this. Yeah. And, I guess strips herself of femininity and then actively forces femininity on PJ's character in this scene, sort of right in the climax of that power struggle. She, not quite, it's not a physical forcing, but gets him to put on a dress and wear makeup. Yeah. She's being quite cruel and, yeah, like you said, degrading Mm. to her, to him, sorry, by talking about how old he is and how disgusting he is and that, you know, she's so young and beautiful and how would they ever, you need to find someone who who is your own age and then turns him into the person that he would date kind of. So yeah. puts lipstick on him, puts him in a dress and he kind of goes along with it. It's strange. Mm. I don't know. And then, but you're right though, because she, when she is using her sexuality as power, she is quite cruel. But she never sort of, and I think that's part of the reason that I was sort of, as I was picking my brain later, of like, why didn't I like that? And I was like, am I too used to, do I want her to be, evil in those scenes was i waiting for her to turn into this cackling you know uh, i'm gonna get you sort of thing but she doesn't she sort of just is like eh. well she's um you know like clear i guess it's clear that she's grasping at things to she's trialing different personas i guess yeah. to try and find something that Who fits. She is, yeah. yeah but after she does that to him and abuses him a fair bit he writes be kind on her forehead Forehead, and that's quite a like significant moment Mm. of the film and you can see Kate Winslet was great in this film Um, she's she's an amazing actress and that moment where it really highlighted her skill but it was clearly for the character a very humbling moment where she went from having that power associated with her sexuality to realising that that's not how she wanted to use it yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. But I remember re-watching that scene and talking about that. Yeah. Did we want to talk about her brother 
And yeah, yeah. so I, I read some notes and I think the first note that I wrote down, because I usually make notes as I go watching these films, mm. and the first note that I wrote down is gay brother. Yeah. <laughs> because she does have a, as one of the characters puts it, a homosexual man yeah. brother. Her old, older brother, I'm guessing, yeah. yeah, is gay and has a partner. And it's just... I, I loved I loved this part of the film because it was just so casually thrown in there like it it wasn't a big deal yeah. it wasn't seen as something to focus on or something to make a big deal out of everyone was cool with it in the family it was normal that's it he's, um, just, he's just one of the brothers too isn't it's not that hyper camp portrayal no, exactly you know was, we might was be the trend with, still yes. is the trend you know yes a lot he has time. a loving partner who's there as part of the, he's very much a part of the family this yeah. partner is known by the family you know and the first scene you see them arriving to the house these two the brother and his partner and they arrive to the house and they quickly just have a quick kiss like a couple that yeah. has known each other for many years you know like that very casual and then they both bend down on their knees to try and pretend to be like a praying yeah like as to making a piss. joke yeah. taking the piss out of the fact that um ruth's apparently gone to this cult so they're obviously you know he's obviously comfortable enough with the family to be making a joke out of something that could be quite mm. serious and yeah I, I loved it it was just so casual and i remember i did after i did my bachelor of arts at monash i did a creative writing course and I wrote a story about a lesbian couple yeah. and like the, the fact that they were gay was like a side part of the story. Cause it was actually a story about having a child and some psychological issues associated with having a child and this kind of stuff. It was, I don't know what it was about really, but it was kind of exploring, I guess, a loss of sense of self when childbirth happens and whatever anyway but the feedback that I got back so it was my final piece and I submitted it and everything and I it was the last I never went back to uni to the uni after that I they you know remember when they you mailed you <laughs> no do you remember when they mailed you your feedback yeah yeah you know they yeah. like literally oh, I actually received feedback. Been one subject I right. remember but yeah it was a geography <laughs> subject geography yeah at uni yeah oh weird oh yeah I guess you did maths mm. so they mailed me my feedback for that story and I was just so angry at the feedback and so annoyed at it and I never had a outlet before so this is it here it is get on your soapbox <laughs> but the feedback was all about the fact that like the lecturer was confused that the woman wasn't struggling with being a lesbian mm. so she was confused that the story was about the a, a lesbian but why isn't why isn't that like the top why isn't that life? the main yeah. aspect that's being yeah. discussed you know why isn't she only a, yeah why exactly isn't, why isn't she just her gayness yes why isn't yeah. why isn't she just key identifying feature the fact yeah. that she's a lesbian and yeah. that she might be struggling with that yeah. whereas Haven't i wrote the story exactly the story was like specifically <laughs> to be like this is a lesbian character but that's not the main point of the story yeah. she this the character happens to be gay but it she just happens to be gay mm. and that's not what the point is here. Yeah. That's not what I'm exploring. Reminds me of all those like uh, you know '80s cartoons where they'd have a team and like each of the guys would have a character trait, and then there was yes. the woman one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's her thing? She's, She's a lady. A lady. <laughs> and your story? What's her thing? She's gay. What exactly. else? Exactly. There's no way she could fit into no the story. Life. <laughs> it's so much. Yeah. And that really irritated me. Because I, I think she completely missed the point of the story. And obviously I didn't get the marks that I thought I deserved. Because she obviously from her heteronormative high horse dismissed what I was trying to do. But Jane Campion got it. And yeah. 
she that's why I love this. I just love the fact that it was a non-issue, the fact that he was gay. Yeah. And talk about the representation that is needed, especially in the 90s. That would have been so refreshing to see. I mean, it's refreshing now, which is mm. saying something. Yeah, I just because I remember as part of that course and other courses, actually, I, I did at Monash looking at I, the portrayal of homosexuality in film and, yeah, looking for that spot, that exact moment of normality. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, which is very interesting. And if anyone's interested in exploring that further, there's an excellent film called Out of the Celluloid Closet, which I think you've, you've watched. I haven't watched it, yeah, but I yeah. remember we've talked about it yeah. a couple of times. Just brilliant. Yeah. It just really explores that sort of wave of Hollywood has sort of been like, oh, no. And then the, oh, yeah, we love it. It's okay to be gay. <laughs> and then so then, you know, you, you get the the hyper camp character. They're yep. like, oh, and that's gayness. Yes. We accept it now. Uh, they have lots of partners. They <laughs> yeah. don't have kids. Yeah. And it's always men. <laughs> and it's all about sexuality. If it's, a, if it's a woman, then it's just sort of like a sexy thing on the side. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> yeah. Or a short haired butch. Who... Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it, it, that's a big positive of the film and yes, something definitely. to look at. Um, Which in a, in a uh, very hypocritical uh, moment, I'm going to say, it's a shame that wasn't more part of the film. <laughs> <laughs> but it would have been ruined if it was. <laughs> yep. Jane Campion, let's have a chat about her channel. Sure. We haven't seen it. No. But that was a big thing. That was where she was nominated for an Oscar, which yep. is huge news because guess what? She's a woman. She's also Australian uh, slash New Zealand. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> which is big news for that as well. Um, I was listening to a podcast, of, well, not so much about her, but about one of her follow-up films to The Piano um, in the cut a little while ago, which was... Um, That's the film name or the podcast name? No, that was the, the film name. The, the film. podcast name was This Had Oscar Buzz. Cool. Um, in the Cut was a detective movie, had Meg Ryan, Mark Ruffalo, and Jennifer Jason Lee in it. Meg Ryan, this was her first movie. Like, she'd always been America's sweetheart. Yeah. She does this film, and it's like, she's... She, oh, this was panned, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. There's hardcore sex, yep. full frontal nudity. Yeah. I haven't watched it. want to watch it, though, after listening to this yeah, podcast. Yeah, sounds interesting. By this, yeah, it sounds interesting and was not, I don't think, given enough credit for what it was trying to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of it... Not to make everything about sex, would come down to the sex though. Yeah. Because in this film, and in uh, as I was saying, we're watching Top of the Lake, and the way they describe sex is shot is in in the cut. It's that female gaze. Yeah. Which is just so completely different well, to very, how um, sex is shot. What we're used to. The rest to. of the yes, time. Yeah. So might be uncomfortable for some people to watch yeah. and to yeah. explore sexuality and I guess sexual pleasure through that lens yeah. can throw a spanner into works, I yeah. think, to what you think you're going into when yeah. you're going into a uh, detective movie. Yeah, so you, so like you're saying maybe that has skewed people's perception of the movie yeah. or didn't allow them, it kind of made them shut down before they really were open to seeing what the film was about. That's just it. Yeah. Um, or, yeah, it just throws them, something feels a bit off yeah. when they're getting into it. Yeah. And I think... Even into Top of the Lake, the way that she explores sexuality, it's noticeable. Yeah. And I think if you know what you're sort of looking for... Because she didn't direct all of Top of the Lake. She split the directing with Garth Davies. Oh, cool. Um, famously, not a woman. <gasps> uh, but obviously, she, you know, her fingerprints were all over yes. it. And Did she write it? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, she, we should say, she wrote... Her and her sister wrote... Wrote this um, one. This yeah. film. And she also wrote The Piano, and that's what she won her Oscar for. Right, yeah. But, yeah, I think... The Jane Campionness of this is there. Mm. She hasn't been nominated for an Oscar since, um, and so there's that talk of that she was in direct to jail, which is sort of like once you, yeah, 
Made Once you've done something bad, yep. yeah, you're sort of you're locked in there for I think this film and in the cut. Um, but then, with women in Hollywood, director jail is extended because <laughs> <laughs> you're a woman. Yeah, that's just it. But also, I just kind of think with looking at this film, hearing about in the cut, looking at Top of the Lake, I don't know if she's really in director jail, whether she's been put in there or whether she's just been like. Fuck it, I've done the piano. Yeah, I did that. I'm just doing my own thing I'm, now. I'm really going to explore some of this shit yeah. and you're going to give me money to do it. Yeah, yeah. And clearly what it's happened worked, here... It's yeah. Very interesting. Uh, even in the way that she also, like, describes herself, all of her stories are female-driven and, I guess, look at some of these big sort of questions around gender and sexuality too. Yeah. So she sort of gets the title as sort of like a feminist director. Yeah. But... She sort of talked about, and I'm just reading a bit of an interview here as we talk about, that she thinks that label is too restrictive. Right. Which I definitely agree with you. If you just sort of, I mean, you can definitely watch this film through a feminist lens. There's a well, lot to I talk that, about it. I think that comes down to semantics then, because I would argue okay. that yeah. anyone can be a feminist director yeah. <laughs> if well, you're portraying women, you know, in an interesting and, and realistic light and complexity like it, do you mean yeah i mean it more, more in, in sort of a sense that saying that all she's all she's the doing only thing oh yeah only doing. thing she's doing is is pushing i guess oh, pushing a feminist agenda is wrong yeah. but looking at i guess feminist themes yes where i think that strips this work well then i think a, i think that of, yeah. <laughs> i think that can provide some blinders i guess for people who mm. if they're only looking out for those things are going and to pulling miss that out. their other stuff that she's exploring as well exactly yeah yeah um because i think this one because we've talked a lot about i guess gender and sexuality which we can come back to yeah but this one as well just that um isolation and the foreign were huge things oh yeah this. from um i guess yeah the shack in australia and people having to come in any anyone sort of having to come in to have any effect but yeah. it, just uh the one that i wanted to talk about was the shots in india at yeah. the very beginning and especially miriam the mum's visit to yeah. india yeah and her complete like panic panic and yeah. freak out yeah. and the you know does it come from a bottle yeah and just i think that was just just captured i guess a western aspect. perspective of yeah but not just western but something particularly australian too yeah. about just like I need my space, yep. and I'm sort of protected in my bubble in, yep. in the Canberra bubble, in the Australia bubble, yeah. you know? <laughs> and sort of anything culturally different is just whoa, 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 yep. whoa. Yep. You know. Too overwhelming, too much. And to go from that to, I guess, the Australia bit of it being yeah. so isolated, I think she captured that very much. So I totally um, agree. Yeah, it was amazing. it was really I Australian, and despite the fact that you know she is from New Zealand and. Etc. But it was very um, Australian in the. Uh, I think the filmmaking of it was quite Australian because I was reading this article that. Well, um, just what you saying that Animal Logic um, did all the special effects, who must have been tiny back then. Yeah. They, they became big when they won the Oscar for Happy Feet. Yeah, that's yeah. the <laughs> yeah the studio that worked on yeah. Happy Feet. Yeah. yeah. I just thought yeah you know because this is around the same time so this came out in 1999 and then we had a couple of films around or a little bit earlier, which was like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert was 1994. We had The Castle in 1997, um, Muriel's Wedding in 
Four as well. And we also had Strictly Ballroom in 1992. And all of those films, I would argue, especially Strictly Ballroom, which is very much a Baz Luhrmann thing, I guess, but they all have like that Australian uh, sensibility of strangeness or oddness or something yeah. just a bit like quirky. That's probably a word. Quirky is a good quirky, word for yeah. it. And she definitely embraces that. Yeah, I, it, fits in, it fits in with those other movies in my mind because you have you know, moments where time is sped up. So when there's a, a scene... I love those. Yeah. Yeah, there's this scene where Ruth's sister-in-law is trying to crack on to PJ. PJ yeah. Um, and she gets a call saying that, can she please bring some clothes for Ruth to the shack? And she's very excited because she gets to see PJ again. And then time is sped up with her packing. And it's like, just quickly moves through her packing different things and, and looking at her face in the mirror and getting herself ready. And it really reminded me of moments in Strictly Ballroom where something kind of quite surreal happens. Like they might talk directly to the camera or I can't, I can't, we'll have to do Strictly Ballroom at some point, I'm sure, but I can't remember exactly what I mean. But even you get the sense. Yeah, that's it. And a lot of the stuff that he um, uh, reused in Moulin Rouge. Yes, exactly. uh, All the techniques that he reused in Moulin Rouge. That's right. And then there was that scene with the sheep as well. Did you notice the sheep? That was just there. It was, was a table. A bar table. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so there's this scene where they're having, a, they're screening a documentary about Jonestown, the Jonestown massacre because they want to scare her that what she was doing was a cult. Yeah. So they yeah. talk about Jonestown and they talk about the family and Charles Manson. Yeah. So, yeah. And in this scene, there's like, you know, there's a big spread out for everyone to eat and the mum just casually puts down a plate of something onto the back of a sheep. Yeah. And the sheep just like kind of wanders off a little bit, but the, the plate stays there mm. as if it's, this is a normal way that we use a sheep as a table in this household. So some very obscure, yeah, quirky little Australiana moments inserted in there which I quite yeah. enjoyed. This film fit into a kind of almost an anthology of 90s Australian Mm. films oh very much so yeah i think even like yeah in all in all australian films that's especially the the humor the space and the silence yeah uh, something that you can connect the dots between yeah anything should we talk a bit more i've got a couple other things dotted down to talk about yeah sure the text on the screen weird green (laughs) matrix matrix was also 1999 wasn't it yeah (laughs) Well, it just, you probably don't remember this because you're a bebe. Yes. At the time. But we used to have these computers that just had green font on black screens. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I know about that. <laughs> okay. I've, I've watched films. <laughs> anyway, the text just reminded me, it was so 90s. Mm. That text is like very much like, we have the internet. Like, yeah, well, da 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 da, look at us go. Even um, his computer at the end yes, of his typing. Totally. Is, yeah, totally. It's 100% yeah. like that. When I'm talking about text on screen, I'm talking about the um, when we change location or change a year later, etc. Yeah. They have a little what do we what do you even call that subtitle? Yeah, that explains. Anyway, that was funny. The scene where she's banging out to Alanis Morissette in the mm. car. Yeah. I loved that scene. So there's a scene where she's driving in the desert. They're in the outback again, and she's driving to her auntie's house. Um, and she's just got the earbuds in. She's listening to Alanis Morissette really loud and just singing her butt off. And she looks really happy. And it's a moment that I, it's something that I've definitely done before. We used to have this old bombed up Subaru <laughs> and you couldn't really listen to music in it because it was too loud because the yeah. engine was too loud. So I used to listen to my earbuds in there. And yeah, 
And I love Alanis Morissette. And I loved Alanis Morissette at this time. I, the bit that I wasn't that... driving this time. You know, I'm not that old. But What I really got from that scene uh, was just how great Kate Winslet's Aussie accent was. Oh, my God. So good. Um, just note for note perfect. Because even yeah. when she was sort of doing that shitty singing along to you or to know, yeah. it was still with that Australian sort twang. of twang. Yeah. Oh, she's um, just a genius. She's Have you... fantastic. We probably won't talk about this film because I don't think either of us have it. But if you haven't seen... The Dressmaker. The Dressmaker. Go and see it. Have you yeah. seen it? I haven't. I was at the red carpet to its world premiere in Toronto. Whoa. But I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> because Kate Winslet again comes back to Australia. Oh, not world premiere. Sorry, North American. It was premiered here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you had some fancy events. Some it. red carpet events. Yep. Too many around the world. Yeah, um, no, I just but, remember because yeah. I walked past and this guy had like 20 copies of Titanic on DVD that he was like getting ready to. Weird. Know. Well, yeah, so. If, Capes, do, yeah, he'd sign them and sell them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> would she do that? So I, he he was like a punter, like you. Mm. He wasn't someone. I thought you I, were saying he was someone like official. No, yeah, no, I don't know if he'd get. She if probably I was Kate one, Winslet but, and like, a guy came up to me with twenty five Titanic DVDs yeah. in two thousand and fifteen, yeah. I'd be like, fuck off. I'm sure she'd sign one, but I don't know what his plan was. He, he, like you know, it seemed like that was like his thing his that thing, he did. Yeah. So. Maybe he passes them along the crowd, or I, I got no idea. Weird. I didn't really stick around because you're um, like, "Good luck to you, sir." Yeah, because that was like hours and hours before the thing was going to happen. Wow! So I went away and came back, and there's a huge crowd, but yeah. I could sort of see from the distance. Oh, nice! Tops of people's heads. Yeah, <laughs> I hope they were all wearing high heels. Yeah. So. <laughs> but then I saw her a couple of. I did this thing where I went to a heap of film festivals before I started teaching. It was great. But but then I did. I was really close to her at the Steve Jobs premiere. Oh, cool. And she to was, Kate Winslet. Yeah. yeah. And she was the only actress that I saw that looked like not like a skeleton. Oh, it really, really? It was really weird seeing so many like Hollywood types in real life. And I was just like, So skinny. Dooley. Really? Like, yeah. And she, Kate Winslet instead, by contrast, Looks looked healthy. like a normal skinny person yeah. like someone you're like oh they're quite thin but they yeah. look like they've got more than bones oh my god <laughs> I know. that's scary it's really scary but anyway her yeah, australian yeah. accent was amazing is amazing yeah. still to this day do you want to just talk about the cinematography a little yeah beautifully shot yeah so beautiful shot by dion Beebe or something yeah Bebe. Bebe? yeah he's um australian south african Okay. cinematographer who has done like memoirs of a geisha he did oh yeah no i'm yeah. just looking at his he's done heaps of stuff yeah yeah so he's worked with rob marshall a lot all the way up to mary poppins returns yeah that was that's him. right yeah and he did oh he did edge of tomorrow he did gangster squad and he shot gemini man which is coming out soon oh. which is the ang lee one which is looks beautiful yeah i don't know have you seen the ads no it's will smith versus will smith but it the unaged him in oh, one of the versions young so it's, versus old yeah cool um, it looks like it's going to be it might be shit but it's going to look really nice yeah. <laughs> well yeah this film Holy Smoke looks mm. very beautiful there's that scene right at the end where um, PJ is lying he's tried to chase after Ruth and he's fallen down um, kind of desperate in the desert and there's this red beautiful red d- dirt all around him and the sun is setting and the there's that really long fence it's just a great expanse yeah. of land this really long fence that kind of is leading your eyes to the horizon and he's kind of collapsed in front of the the mm. screen and it's such a beautiful shot and i think the whole film was shot beautifully but that scene in particular stood out to me as it could be a photo on a wall somewhere like 
you could take so many moments from this film and just frame them. Agree completely. But what really stood out to me was some of the, uh, not car chases, but some of the oh, car yes. scenes. Yes. The one scene where they're about to go to the pub and everyone's yep. being a bit silly. Someone yep. jumps from car to car. Yeah. Just the way that that, the way that the camera moved in that captures, I guess, the energy of yep. what's going on yep. screen. Very much um, so. But also the sparseness yeah. of the landscape around. I just sat up in the couch while I was watching that and yeah. went, this, yeah. this is really good. Because, yeah. I don't know, sometimes when you're watching an Aussie film... Expectations are low. But yeah, you're a bit like... But, <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it also amazing. does just make you feel... Like, you understand why we crave space as Australians. Mm -hmm. And I think particularly we both grew up in the country. I grew up on quite a big, you know, hobby farm. So masses of land. And you grew up in a big-ish country town, but still would have had heaps of space around you. So, I don't know. Like, yeah, I just, I can't stand the thought of living in an apartment or any kind of forever. Like, I've done it before for short periods of time. But I think we just, we crave space. 100%. Yeah. We're used to it. It's kind of in our... I know, right? ...genes in a way. Yeah. That's why flying's so bad for Australians, I think. <laughs> Plus, it takes forever to get anywhere. <laughs> One last thing before we go is that I just wanted to talk a little bit about deprogramming and cults. Oh, yeah. Have you seen... Have I ever been part of a Have cult? Have you ever been part of a cult? Uh, Have you? I don't think so. Have you? No. <laughs> no. If you are, let me know. <laughs> Because cults are pretty fascinating. Mm. I remember cults being... I think my dad got, like, a book out on cults from the library one time. And (laughs) it was the first time I, like, had any inkling that I might be into true crime and stuff. Because I was so fascinated by these cults. They're kind of crazy, aren't they? They are, because they're a mindfuck. Bright and shiny. (laughs) (laughs) Throw back to Bubba Boy. (laughs) Um... But I took, did a little bit of research into deprogramming because I was really fascinated by that, the concept of taking someone out of a cult yeah. and kind of breaking down their belief systems about why they got into this cult in the first place. And it's pretty interesting. I don't think there's a lot of evidence that says it works. I think there's quite a bit of... People returning to cults. Yeah, people returning to cults or I don't just... I a word to that. <laughs> yep. I think it's recidivism. I'll take your word for it. Email us at www.declutter.gmail.com. Anyway, so the research is kind of talks about the fact that how can you... Because a lot of these deprogrammers work by coercion. And a lot of the time, like what happened to Ruth, they kidnap the people out of the cult Mm. and take them somewhere against their will. So ethically aren't you just as bad as the cult? Yeah. Like, yeah. So there's a lot of that questioning about whether or not this is like, first of all, it might not even work. Second of all, it might even be more damaging for the victim or the subject. Yeah, that sort of gear change. Exactly. And thirdly, it's very inhumane to just kidnap someone Mm. from somewhere where they want to be. And like they do in this film, they do a lot of, in the true cases that I read about, they lie to their family members about someone dying or, you know, they get them to a certain place so that they can deprogram in quotation marks using very dubious methods of persuasion. So I just found that really fascinating. And I think, yeah, like I said at the start, this the content matter for this film, it had a lot of potential to, yeah. to kind of talk about that that stuff. But it. it doesn't quite tick it off. The only thing yeah. that kind of matches that, I guess, you know the bit where they sang the Lord's Prayer? 
Right at the end. Yeah, right yeah. at the end. So this is when they found out that she's been kidnapped by him. Yeah. And was that like a... Because that annoyed me a bit. Because I took that as sort of a heavy-handed, aren't all religions cults? That's what I, that's what I <laughs> took it at too, like... yeah. And it was very heavy-handed. <laughs> yeah, because it was... They hadn't really... It, that is what it was trying to say. It that's, was like... That's what I thought. It I, was like I kind talking of about... it better though. So I was kind of like, maybe I didn't maybe get that. Maybe it's not, but, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what it felt like to me. It felt like saying, how can we justify saying her religion is wrong that she's chosen to be mm. in when they all sit down and say the Lord's Prayer when she's being captured or whatever. Which I think, yeah, I just think it became a bit out of nowhere. There hadn't really been a religious family beforehand. I guess there was hints of it every now and then, but it hadn't really featured much. Mm. Felt a bit like a slap in the face. Yeah, heavy-handed. But true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're kidnapping your daughter to try and get her out of that thing, aren't you just as bad as... Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. So interesting. You should watch. There's a great film, actually a TV series on Netflix called Wild Wild Country on a um, cult leader called the Bhagwan Sri Rajnesh, I think, Mm -hmm. who is an American or an Indian went to America. Really fascinating story about how this so he was the Bhagwan, he was like the guru, the baba of the film, yeah. and but then had a side this sidekick, um, an American woman who spoke for him and created this like whole community outside. They were buying up land and there was rumors mm. that they were gonna poison the water because they were trying to influence the local politics and all this kind of stuff. Really, really fascinating story. Yeah. Like cult all cults in general, very fascinating. And just fascinating how they get followers and, like, the psychology behind that and praying. I guess it's preying on people who are lost and need something to grasp onto, which, again, is something that she kind of tried to explore with this film. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it. Yeah. That is Holy Smoke. Holy Smoke. Uh, Oh, we didn't talk... The DVD has no special features. No. Not sure if that's the normal release or it was a blockbuster copy. Yes, that's true. So, and a lot of the time, the DVDs from the shop didn't have the features which is quite rude actually yeah Mm. exactly as always we need more special features yeah that's just it yeah come on Netflix Um, anyway so time for you to decide what you're going to do with it yeah it's an easy one for me like I picked that up for two bucks to give it a watch once I've now done that (laughs) pass it on to the next generation of that's just it yeah it's going to go to the op shop yeah Um, hopefully someone gives it a watch because it does It, it gets you to sort of I guess think about the themes i think hopefully if you've got someone to talk about with i think i could mm, if i just watched podcast. it by my, yeah, yeah. dvds i found at the op shop yes. genius and bought and regretted buying <laughs> yeah i feel like if i could have easily watched that and never thought about it again yeah well something something ticked in my mind that when i saw it for two bucks made me go oh, i wouldn't mind yes to watch. because you didn't watch the whole thing yeah I guess. yeah um also i'll put it out to you guys too that it is definitely available on stan so oh cool um there you go yeah. maybe don't go to your local op shop yeah just subscribe to stan mm. more expensive to subscribe to stan though than netflix no than going to the op shop and oh yeah 100 percent. plus it's fun going to the op shop it is fun going to the op shop um yeah so do that but anyway um, it's gonna go to the op shop probably tomorrow i don't know I'll see well what, i have a see bunch of stuff do. in my car and i take the op shop oh, so, do you? yeah so do I, actually. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, or not my car. I've been in my car for so long. In my wife's car. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. I'm going to put that stuff in Laura's car. Yeah. <laughs> and she'll have to take it. Yeah. Well, 
look, welcome back, Paul, to Australia. Woo! Welcome back to the podcast, everyone who listened. Please tune in next week because we're going to talk about Beetlejuice. 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 Don't say it three ah! times! I think it's only if the one person says it three times. Phew. <laughs> yes, no, and we're, we've moved into October, so, you know, we're going for oh, a, yeah, bit a, a bit of a creepy thing. Beetlejuice, just as a heads up, is not my film. It's one of Laura's films. Okay. So, for those of you who loved her special appearance, we may feature her again <gasps> next week. Yep. In our Beetlejuice episode, where she will give you a rundown of why on earth she bought that film. Mm. And why is it still in our cupboard? Yeah. More precisely. Fair enough. If you want to contact us, do so uh, via our email address, DVD Clutter. Yep. D-V-D-E-C-L-U-T-T-E-R. At gmail.com. Or you could use that same bunch of letters (laughs) on the Twitter or the Instagram. That's right. Or the Facebook. Or the Facebook. That's right. There is a new Facebook page. Get on there. Say hello. I'll write back. Paul... Probably why I, sh- I, I need to get onto that. He so does. I'll give it a crack. <laughs> um, anything good from the Instagram recently? Oh, I uploaded. So on our last episode, we did Ever After, mm-hmm. and I talked about the book Thomas More's Utopia yep. because in Ever After it features heavily. So I put up a photo of my copy of Thomas More's Utopia. Peggy just happened to be reading it, <gasps> so I took a photo of her reading it and put that up, and it's very popular. That's good. And Peggy's- it's so cute. Peggy's She's the best part one. of the show. I think she might be. Yeah. And also, as a side note, just back to that episode, I looked up, we talked about the fact that Drew Barrymore's um, production company was involved in a whole bunch of films. Yeah. Flower films. Oh, damn it. Close. <laughs> but, and I said that they did Never Been Kissed, and in fact, I was right. It was the first film that they oh, ever wow. worked on was Never Been Kissed. Yeah. So I remember that. I must have been reading a lot about her at that stage in the 90s. But, mm-hmm. yeah, she her production company, the first film they produced was Never Been Kissed. Yeah. Mm. And they're doing the new Charlie's, Charlie's Angels. Angels, which I watched the trailer for the other day. And, yeah, it looks Some interesting. Reason I thought that already came out. No, <laughs> that's not. Well, everyone likes. Uh, yeah, Kirsten Stewart's in it. Yeah. My favourite. And who's directing that? Isn't it Elizabeth? Elizabeth Banks. Banks. Yeah. Yes. That'd be great. She's the best. Anyway, we won't do that film because neither of us own it on DVD and probably won't buy it. (laughs) No, I'm getting you for Christmas. Oh, exciting. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, As always, please rate, review and subscribe. Yes, do that. Come on on to um, Facebook and like our page. Follow us on Instagram. Get involved. Tell us what you like. Join the cult of DVD clutter. Yes. Great. (laughs) Okay, see you then. (laughs) Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 I actually forgotten how to do this. It's been so long. I know. Oh, God, this is going to be a nightmare to edit. Just, just like, oh.